Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. I want to begin by wishing all the moms a happy Mother's Day. You all are truly heroes in our world, in our community, and our church is a better place because of you. There's nothing like some mamas that fear the Lord and love Jesus. And you are some of the most humble, loving, and sacrificial people on the planet. So we're thanking God for you, and we wish you a happy Mother's Day. It was in the early 1960s when an aspiring filmmaker would apply to the prestigious University of Southern California, the School of Cinematic Arts. But upon reviewing his application, the young artist was rejected. So he applied again and again, only to be rejected. But undeterred by the rejection, the young man continued to pursue his passion in art. He began working various jobs within the industry until a short film that he made caught the attention of Universal Studios. And after that, the rest was history. The young man was Steven Spielberg. And he would go on to direct some of the most iconic movies of all time, like E.T., Jaws, and Jurassic Park. He's one of the greatest storytellers of all time and received countless awards and recognition for his craft. And this is something that we can all relate to. Because no doubt, at some point in your life, you've had to deal with rejection. For example, perhaps you applied for a position at a job and you thought you met the qualifications. You worked extra hard to polish up that resume and top it off. You really needed the job. But a week after the interview, you received an email that thanked you for applying, but that they thought you wouldn't be a good fit. Or maybe you experienced relational rejection. There was a special someone that caught your attention. You thought it would be, it could be a thing. You try to slide into the DMs, but the sentiment was not reciprocated. Now you have to deal with the rejection and all the conglomerate of emotions that comes with that. Sometimes we apply this fear of rejection to our relationship with Christ. Whether it's because of bad teaching or a misunderstanding of his heart towards you. Or maybe you fear rejection because deep down inside you still believe that your salvation is dependent on you and on your performance. We can be tempted into a skewed or warped understanding of the salvific power of Christ. We're tempted to think that as long as I can keep him happy, as long as I can live up to his standard, as long as I can appease him and stay within his good graces, then and only then am I good. And he won't reject me. The reason we're challenged this way is, I think, connected to the fact that we are unable to truly grasp the width, the depth, and the height of Christ's love. We're in a series called Gentle and Lowly where we've been taking an in-depth look into the heart of Christ. The only place in the Bible where Jesus himself describes his own heart toward us is found towards the tail end of Matthew chapter 11 where he encouraged us to take our burdens to him and in response what we'll find is a gentle and lowly heart in return. It is that very same gentle and lowly heart that will not reject us, not on the basis of us or anything that we can do, but solely tethered to who He is and His gentle and lowly heart. And to confirm this thought, I want us to read the words of John chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus which affirm and confirm this for us when He says this, Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For the rest of our time, I want to try to take apart this passage here and help us see how, for those of us in Christ, we have no reason to fear rejection. 
I have three thoughts which form one statement. Here's number one. God is a loving Father. Jesus states that everyone who the Father gives to Him will come to Him. And He calls God Father. This is the same sentiment of Father is echoed in the prayer of Jesus that He would teach His disciples to pray when He told them, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this is the picture that is painted throughout the scriptures of God, that He's like a Father. And I understand that this idea might be challenging for you to grasp depending on what your relationship with your earthly father is or was. We tend to project that emotion and reality onto our heavenly father. The sad reality for far too many people, especially in our community, uh, the relationship with their earthly dad is non-existent. Or maybe dad was physically present, but he was emotionally distant. Or maybe he was abusive, angry, or impossible to please. And if your relationship with your dad was challenging, then you're more than likely to project this image onto God and think that he's the same way, that you always have to walk on eggshells or that he's distant and he's never around when you need him and he's always looking for an excuse to discipline you. If this was your reality, let me just say that I'm, I'm so sorry. And as a dad myself, I understand the deep amounts of father wounds that we tend to leave in the lives of our children. But let me encourage you towards knowing that God, He's not like that. The reality is that God is a loving Father to us. The psalmist confirms this for us when he writes this in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. God is like a compassionate, gentle, loving, attentive father. He's not abusive. He's not distant. He's not a deadbeat. But God is a Father that overflows with compassion. And His compassion is evidenced by the fact, like Jesus mentioned in today's passage, that He is sending some to Jesus. Jesus said, Everyone who the Father gives me will come to me. This means that the Father's predisposition, the Father's heart, is not that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God is actively and lovingly, through the wooing of the Holy Spirit, drawing people, pointing people to the Son. It might even be that you are here today because God is at work in your life, catching your attention, working on your heart so that you can discover meaning, purpose, life, and forgiveness in Christ. And He does so as a compassionate Father. Is this the perspective that you have of God? And if not, why not? What skewed your understanding or view of God as a loving Father? Because He is. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares a parable where He compares God as a loving Father to us as prodigal sons. And when the prodigal son runs away from home and squanders all of the father's riches and hits rock bottom, he's met with the father's compassionate heart who embraces him and welcomes him home. That is God as father. He's compassionate. He's loving. He is kind. And in his kindness, God is a loving father who, number two, who invites us through Christ. God is a gentle and loving father who is actively working to draw you close to Jesus. Yet when you are drawn close to Jesus, what you find is an invitation. Look at the words of Jesus again at John in John 6, 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. While the Father takes the responsibility to draw people to the Son, it appears that there's still an invitation that awaits accepting. We have an invitation from God to Christ. It's not an, an abrasive or forceful command. It is a compassionate invitation. There is a certainty that whoever the Father gives to Jesus will arrive at the feet of Jesus. There is also an invitation once we arrive at the feet of Jesus to come to Him. 
It's like when you receive an invitation to celebrate a wedding. The bride and groom and, and their families have worked hard to secure the banquet hall and to cater the food and to book the band and the DJ. And they even paid for the stamp that goes on your RSVP postcard. All you have to do is accept the invitation and show up at the wedding to celebrate the bride and groom. Similarly, God, the good and compassionate Father He is, has done all the work and all the preparations to bring you to Jesus. All you have to do is accept the invitation. However, an invitation is made. The ball is in your court. You can mail the prepaid stamped envelope or you can reject the invitation. Nevertheless, you have an invitation from God to Christ, not to a religion, not to a practice or tradition. You have an invitation to relationship with God through Christ. Listen to the invitation that Jesus gives in the following chapter, John 7. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. This is a similar invitation Jesus gave to the woman at the well. There was a Samaritan woman who was searching for love and purpose in all the wrong places. She was sleeping around with other men, living a promiscuous life, but all of it left her empty and thirsty. But then she met Jesus. And Jesus shared with her that whoever would drink from the water he offers would never thirst again. And what he referred to was the refreshing life he could offer that no man, no party, no sleeping around, no vice could offer. It was an invitation away from a crazy life that led to emptiness to a refreshing walk with Christ. This is the invitation we are all invited to. If you're here today and like the woman at the well and like the people at the festival that Jesus addressed, you're a thirsty soul looking for refreshment. You need to know and understand that which you've been attempting to pursue and that thirst that you've been trying to satisfy with anything other than Jesus will always leave you dry. A true refreshing of your souls begins with an invitation from Jesus. And it is truly just that. It's an invitation. And with an invitation, there's an option. You can accept the invitation. You can reject the invitation. The decision is yours. Because God is a kind, gentle, and compassionate Father, He will lovingly lead you to Jesus. And Jesus, being ever the gentleman, will invite you to relationship. Not coerce you, not force you, not trick you, or make you. He invites you. And this is the invitation that is being made to you today. And when you accept His invitation, here's what you'll find. God is a loving Father who invites us through Jesus. And number three, will never cast us out. We've all experienced rejection before. We know what that feels like. And maybe in the back of your mind, there's a thought that says this unconditional love of the Father, this generous invitation from Jesus must come with strings attached. Surely, just around the corner, there's Jesus waiting for us to screw up so that He can give us the boot. Because we are so well experienced with this in our human relationships, we're quick to attribute the same attitude to Jesus. And let's not pretend to be all innocent here as well. No doubt we've been on the receiving end of being rejected, but come on, be honest, we're quick to give rejection as well. If we've been let down or hurt, it's easy to cut off. And so we think Jesus might just be the same way. But he reassures us in today's passage with these words. Let's look at it one last time, John 6, 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. This is a promise from Jesus that for those who, who have come to Him, those who depend on Him, those who lean on Him, those who depend on Him and trust Him, He will never cast out. We will never be thrown away. We will never be rejected. Some of you may have experienced incredible amounts of rejection. 
Maybe you were rejected from a job or an opportunity or scholarship. Maybe you were rejected by a spouse or a parent. This rejection may create trust issues in you and cause you to transfer those sentiments to Jesus. But this passage should be most encouraging to you. These words of Jesus should be a major confidence booster. He reassures us that not only does God love us and call us, not only that He extends an invitation to us, but that when we respond to the invitation and put our faith in Him, He will never let us go. Some of us cling to Jesus thinking it is the strength of our grip which keeps us connected to Christ. And I love the comparison that Dane Orland makes in his book. He says that our grip on Jesus is like that of his two-year-old son, who holds as tight as he can to his father's hand as they wade into deeper water from the shallow end of the pool. They arrive to a depth where the truth is that it's not the grip of the two-year-old that keeps him afloat. It is the strength of the father who will be sure to not let him go and safely lead him through deep water. Jesus does not have a weak grip. You can rest assured that if you have surrendered to him, you have put your faith in Jesus that he will not let you go. And this is what Jesus confirms for us in John 10 when he says this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Do you have this confidence in Jesus that he will never cast you out? That no one and no thing can ever snatch you from his hand. Jesus does not have a weak grip. He is not distracted. His heart is full with love and compassion for you and towards you. Dayton Ortland, he writes this, For those united to him, the heart of Jesus is not a rental. It is your new permanent residence. You are not a tenant. You are a child. His heart is not a ticking time bomb. His heart is the green pastures and still waters of endless reassurances of his presence and comfort. Whatever our present spiritual accomplishments, it is who he is. How can you be so sure? How can you walk with this type of confidence? It's simply by putting your faith in Jesus. The Bible says that we are like wayward children, defiant and sinful. And because of our sin, there remains a chasm between us and God. But God is so rich in mercy that he sent Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life and die the death that we deserve to pay. And he paid the sin debt that we owed. And after they removed him from the cross, they placed him in the tomb until three days later where Jesus conquered Satan, sin and death and he rose from the grave. And because of his perfect sacrifice in our place and because of his glorious resurrection and victory over death, for all who put their faith in Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sin, new life, and our eternity secure. Because of Jesus' finished work, we can walk confidently in the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Him today. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are an absolutely loving Father more than we can ever imagine. Thank you for inviting us and giving us an opportunity to respond to the Father's heart. Thank you for drawing us near and drawing us near and drawing near to us through Christ. We rest assured not in our ability, not in our might or strength, but in your grip, which will not grow tired, which will not let go. And I just pray, God, for all of us online, in this room, that you would help us to walk in this gospel truth. Where we've all felt rejection, we know what it's like, and we're all tempted to feel and to think that you will treat us the same way. Thank you, God. Your arms are not too short. Your grip is not too weak. And that you hold firm and fast to us out of your great love and compassion. So help us to walk out in this gospel truth, Help us to live in this gospel truth and to trust you and to lean on you above all things. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?